You know, we've we, we taken a tough topic today, really the, the other end of the spectrum, suicide, where people are given into hopelessness and despair, sometimes overwhelmed by pain, physical pain, emotional pain, sometimes even through dementia and other things, and people give up. And I want to talk about what the Bible says about that. I want to talk about the grace of God that can help overcome it. And that God can do great things in the midst of our turmoil. Can he not? Okay, so I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to to bless our time. And Father, I give you all honor and glory and praise. Lord, Lord, it's exciting, Lord, to, to see what you're doing. Lord, and what you can do through a redeemed life. And Lord, I pray, Lord, first of all, for those that are struggling right now. They're in that moment. They're in that season. Lord, where their own hearts are betraying them. They're in despair. They feel alone. Or they don't know where to turn. Lord, maybe, you know, the influences of just around them, whether it be internal or external, have swayed them. But they're stuck either way. I pray for healing in their hearts today. That you'd restore them. And Lord, I stand against the darkness in the name of Jesus Christ. If you're given a prayer, would you just pray for me just a moment? I stand against the darkness, the prince of darkness in the name of Jesus. I submit myself to God. I submit myself to the blood of Christ. And Lord, let light overcome the evil one. Lord, bring hope and breakthrough to those that cannot see their own breakthrough. Lord, by your power, Lord, those stuck, Lord, focusing on self, Lord, they're, they're crushed by it. Bring them freedom by the blood of Jesus in the name of Jesus Christ. If you agree, can you say amen? Amen. amen. It's important to lift up the name of Jesus, is it not? All right, so let me get right to it. If you're a person who's lost someone to suicide, maybe it's a son or a daughter, stepmom, a spouse, a stepdad, uncle, parent, friend, coworker, you know, childhood friend. Let me just first say that my heart really does break for you because I know not necessarily a close member of family, part of family, friends, that I've lost to suicide through the years. May nothing I say today bring you more grief than you've already experienced. I do not want to stir up this issue for you to try to bring you grief when the Lord has already come in and brought a measure of life and joy and he's spoken things to you to reconcile those things. May no scripture I say that, that um, while true and all the scriptures I will say will be true, Let them not alter the voice that the Lord has spoken to you. God has a prophetic voice that he can speak to your heart and bring reconciliation. Do I hear amen? Amen. Let make God speak that and what he's spoken. I believe that all the scriptures I say will give you hope, will give you perspective. Um, I also say that I cannot understand every event and predicament that you faced regarding suicide. It would be impossible for me. So I can't be sensitive to every issue. I will try to be. Um, know that my heart is with you. The things, the way that we process life and the way that we process eternal life, those things belong to God. Did you know that? I can't walk around and say, you're saved, you're not saved, you're saved, you're not saved, based on the small bits of information that I know. But I know that Christ is the only way to be saved. I can say that. Not because of an arrogance or a religious arrogance. It's because I believe the Bible to be true and I believe that the Bible reveals that and I believe the logic of my sin and transgression needs that it needs to be compensated, that it needs to be paid for. I don't believe we're saved by any kind of work at all. And I believe the Bible supports that. I believe that I'm saved by grace alone. How many say amen to that? Okay. I want to encourage you today. 
I, can't, I won't talk on every subject. I know that there's euthanasia and medically assisted suicide. I will brush on those a little bit because those are important issues of our day. Um, but suicide is a very tough and painful subject. Um, you know, we have um, celebrities and politicians and famous people that pass away and oftentimes people go to their Twitter account and, and give positive feedback about that person. And you have to understand, people are not tweeting positive things because they're rejoicing in the suicide. They're doing it because they're remembering the life of the person and the great contributions that they may have made. Now, suicide is the opposite of life. It is death. Does everyone agree? It is a death whether it's by self or whether it was by disease or whatever it is, death is the thing that Jesus comes to overcome. Not just the first death, but also the second death. Jesus Christ overcomes it. Let me get right to a scripture here um, in my introduction, and that's this. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Can everyone say, fear him? Fear. Now, if I just leave that scripture here, you could walk out and just go, oh my gosh, I'm going to be afraid for the next six months. Really, people can walk in and, and theology can do that because it's true what he says. God, he's, this is in the context, Jesus saying, of the Pharisees throwing religious yoke upon the people. You know, it's, it's a religious work system that isn't working for them. And, and he's trying to tell them, don't fear this, don't fear the enemy, fear God. You don't need to fear 20,000 things. Can everyone say, fear him? Yeah. And look how he finishes. And he says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them, not one of those sparrows, is forgotten by God. And then he turns it. He goes, he's trying to tell them, listen, do you understand that God values the sparrows that you only spend a couple of pennies for? They don't mean much to you. But God knows everyone and takes care of them. And he says, indeed, the very hairs of your head are numbered. God's saying, and, and you could put this in modern vernacular, every cell, every genetic cell that's, that's living within you, every molecular proton and neutron, everything that makes you up, the matter that makes you up, God goes, I have an inventory of who you are. And look what he says. He, on one side, he says, yes, I tell you, fear him. And then he says, right after that, if you fear me, then I can say this, don't be afraid. Say it with me. One more time. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And how many think the sparrows are pretty cool? The birds are cool. And this is not if you're an animal rights person going, we're just as valuable as the sparrows. No, we're more valuable. Sorry. <clears throat> you're wrong. Well, you're wrong. Because what are you basing it on? I'm just basing on what God says. He says that I'm even more valuable and he thinks they're super valuable. But I'm and you are made in the image of God. So we're valuable. Let's start right here, okay, with Exodus. Here it is. This is one of the commandments that was given to the Israelites when the stone tablets came down, a real simple one. You shall not murder. It's, 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 all the, it's all the don't things. They're all the things that take away life. Don't commit adultery. It'll... It'll cause death to your family. Don't do this because it'll, it'll cause problems. Don't lie. Don't bear false witness. And then do not murder. Do not murder. And you could just, I put it there in parentheses, do not murder others. Do not murder your neighbor. Do not murder your cousin. Do not murder yourself. Because God thinks that life that he's numbered is up to him. Now God in his sovereignty will work all things together for good. That's the way God is. But the command is right there. You should not murder. So I'm going to get right to some tough questions. Then I'm going to look. Then we're going to take some time and look at suicide in the scriptures. Then I want to offer you ways that those who were suicidal 
overcame in the scriptures. And then I am going to sing a song at the end. I don't usually sing. Um, I, I have been a composer and a musician for, you know, 20, 30 years. But last night I was working on my message, just finishing it up. And it was like 9 or 10 o'clock at night. And I just felt like the Lord gave me the song. I literally sat down and just wrote these lyrics and put it to music. And I felt like God wanted me to sing, sing it to you. Can a person, here are my questions, three questions here. Can a person who commits suicide be saved? And I want you to really think about this. If you believe that we're saved by our works, the answer would be no. If you are from, there's some religious backgrounds, even Catholicism, that say maybe it might be the impardonable sin. Once you do that, then there's no hope for you. Once you go down that road, because it never says that in the scriptures, but once you go down that road, then you're basically saying that a work can either save you or not save you. Okay? I don't care what it is. You know, well, you, you, know, you divorced. Well, divorce is not a good thing, but it's not the unpardonable sin. It's, it brings death. And God wants to bring life. And I understand all the different situations. I'm not trying to read into your situation. I'm just saying that God wants us to live. Listen, for it is, can everyone say, by grace. grace. It's by grace you've been saved through what? Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. Okay, in the Greek, that's called a paraphrastic construction. It means it takes the whole summary of the sentence. You're saved by grace through faith. Grace through faith. Yeah, this, grace through faith, is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. No one can boast. There's no boasting. There's no bragging. I am stuck in here between these two things. On one side, if I tell you, even if you commit suicide, you can still be saved. You might receive that mercy, but you might find an empowerment to say, oh, well, then I'll just kill myself and be with God as if the life that God has given you has no value. And I say to you, no, don't do it. God has life for you right here. There is, when I watch that video of Kevin and I see the blessing that God's giving them and the, 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 the rewards that God talks about at the end, part of those are going to be wrapped up into the soul experience you have of overcoming and sharing that you'll bring into eternity. Why wrap that up in self-consumed misery when God can bring you freedom? And so on one side, yes, you're saved by grace and I cannot deny that. I cannot deny the truth of the word of God. But then I say, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Find life. Find God. You want to know what the remedy is for any kind of depression, discouragement? I'll give it to you. And if you'll believe me as your pastor and do it, you will change your life. Expose yourself to God's word and God's people. God's word, his presence, and his people. And you'll find depression dies. Discouragement dies and it falters. It has no place. Where the light is, darkness cannot dwell. But if you in, go internal and then do the weed to go even more internal, whatever it is that you do, it will internalize whatever you do, cause your chemistry to be off, and you'll start to live in despair and you'll start crying. That's just because the little one was crying there. You're okay. The answer is yes. Anyone who has found Christ. Listen, I, I want to ask you something. Well, let me get to the second one. And then I'll, then I'll answer ask it. Um, isn't suicide blasphemy the unpardonable sin? And this is what some people believe, not a majority. There are some small sects that believe this. Jesus says it this way. He's talking about the goodness of salvation. 
And he says, so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven then. First of all, can you dwell on that for a second? Listen to me. What if someone told you this? Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven you. How many say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Okay. He says, except the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. I can't tell you through the years how many times I've talked to people and said, do you think I blasphemed the Holy Spirit? Because I'm a smart aleck, I almost want to say, yeah, you did. <laughs> I got to go, though. I'll see you later. Uh, if you go to lunch. I wouldn't be that irresponsible. When you put your faith in Christ alone, can everyone say Christ alone? He removes the wrath. He has removed the wrath of God. Because he's removed the wrath of God, this holy God, who I, you, are not worthy of because of our unholiness, he's removed the wrath and the consequences, even the rules and regulations that hold them away and nailed it to the cross in Christ. And when all of that is removed, this holy God, this, his holy soul, his holy spirit comes upon me and that is the reward of salvation is that he will now dwell in me. If you reject that one free message, then your sins cannot be forgiven because that is the only forgiveness that has been offered to you. Every sin, every blasphemy, every stupidity, think of yours, think of your worst ones, think the ones you're stuck with, those. Amen? Amen. How many of you, when you first came to Christ, look like Jesus Christ two days later? I don't know, me and Pete, Cheryl, we all got saved at the same time. I don't know, Pete, you didn't look like Jesus Christ, not quite. I was closer. How many know that's not true? Listen, here's the question. Doesn't suicide prove that a person had no real saving faith? And there are beliefs, there are churches out there that believe that. They said the fruit of it is bad. So that proves that they had no saving faith. I think it takes a lot, a big dose I put here, of judgment to make a proclamation like that. That is a big judgment to proclaim from a mere mortal and a human. Think about this. Has your fruit always been perfect? See, they would say that we're a new creation in Christ, and because I'm a new creation in Christ, there's no more sin. But the problem is, is that you see Paul, and you see John, and you see Peter, fully redeemed, still struggling and, and working out the sin as the light is coming into their life and overcoming the darkness. Not a blatant practicing of sin, but a walking out of those things as God reveals them. How many would admit that you still struggle through things at times? Listen, someone who is struggling with self-depression, sometimes mental illness, can give in to things that are hopeless and despair. Would it be right for us to say a weak moment for someone has condemned their eternal soul? Even though it caused this trigger to happen, or a hanging, or whatever it is. I know the death and the pain because I've walked people through it and I've experienced it. I know how it's so terrible. But I also know that the grace of God overcomes even our terribleness. Amen. Do, am I giving you a right to kill yourself? I'll say it again. No! Don't do it. Find Christ. Find hope. Find the redemption and the healing in the area you're struggling with. Don't get self-consumed. Fix your eyes on Christ. That's why these scriptures are there, so that you have hope. You will wake up, and it will be despairing. You will miss out on some of the incredible rewards that God wants to bless you with in this life. Do I hear an amen? Amen. 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 So I need to answer those, and I need to answer them clear. And I want to just ask, I said, you know, God didn't make you merely for an afterlife, okay? So 
I want to go to mission statements here. Now, number one, what's at risk? And here it is. This is one of the mission statements. I've read it before. You've read it before. But this is the mission state of the enemy, the thief, the accuser, the devil, Satan, his demons, and then the mission of God. Okay? Summarized. And Jesus says, I am the gate. His cross, the entryway. He's the gate to the Father. Whoever enters through me, can everyone say, will be saved. Not might be saved, could be saved, will be saved. And it says they will come in and go out and find pasture. And that is the way that comes. We find it because we're in search of it. We find heartache and then God reveals us to the pasture. He makes us lie down. But the thief comes in the opposite way. And we hate it and you hate it when the enemy has seen victory in your life. It could be some small thing. It could be a bad habit. It could be an indulgence in the flesh. It could be something of pride in your relationship. Something where, where the enemy's working. And this is what the enemy wants. He wants to steal. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy. And this is obviously referring to Revelation, the destroyer. I have come that they may have life, Jesus says, and have it to the full. And here you see the, the contrast. The enemy wants to steal blessings. He wants to steal the fullness that God wants to give you. He wants to kill the relationships that you have. He wants to kill hope that you might see. He wants to kill your very life. He wants to end it. And the more internalized he can, the more you're going to be stuck in yourself, the more this world swirls around. It's just another brick in the wall, right? You know, and then pretty soon you're comfortably numb. Okay, not my best joke, but you can't say a lot of jokes during a suicide sermon, so come on. And he wants to destroy, he wants to take away the eternal glory. Jesus on the other side wants to give life to the fullest. He wants to raise things from death. You you might be facing all kinds of stuff. Relationships that are dead. You know, hope in your family that just, I don't know where it's going, it's dead. Let Jesus raise it from death. Let him bring life to it. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it didn't just give him like a little burst of adrenaline for life. It overcame all the penalty of sin. It overcame all the consequences of the law and the accusations of history. That same power that raised him from the dead, the Bible said, is working in you. Let it flow. Amen. Let him give that fullness to you. Let him raise you from the dead. Again, expose yourself to God's word. Expose yourself to God's promises. Expose yourself to God's people. And let him recreate darkness to light instead of destruction. There is great joy in being who you are. I love that statement where it says, be yourself because everyone else is taken. (laughs) Amen? Now, the Bible and suicide. Let's get right to it. There are six specific people. I'm going to go through them rather quickly because not that I want to dwell on, but I want you to see the way that people died. These are ones that did commit suicide. And then I'm going to show you some people who overcame suicide the thought of killing themselves or being at the end of their own world. Okay, the first one here is Ahithophel. And he, he is a leader who, who loses his place because of his own rebellion. And then at one point, he starts giving advice to the king, and the king goes, hey, I'm not going to listen to this. And Ahithophel just realizes he's totally lost his place. And it says when Ahithophel... Ahithophel realized that his advice had not been followed, he saddled his donkey, went to his hometown, set his paperwork in order, and then he hanged himself. He died there and was buried in the family tomb. Now, I want you to see something, a couple things that you might not notice. God did not jump down from heaven and stop him. God does all kinds of things that he can stop suicide by giving you courage and hope. He can intervene with his presence, but he did not stop this. Ahithophel lost all respect and authority and just said, there's no more future for me. And that's it. He ended it. Not a good ending for him. 
Judges 9.54 and Bimelech. He's out in battle. Okay, now understand, this is how many have heard of Gideon? Okay, this is his boy, his son. Okay, and he's all bad. I don't know how else to say it. He's the example of what not to do to possess God's promises. No victory for God's people. He brought no deliverance from false gods. They were worshiping all these false things, and he did nothing to curb it um, at all. He had no moral direction. It says, but he said quickly to his young armor bearer, draw your sword and kill me. Don't let it be said that a woman killed Abimelech. So the young man ran him through with his sword, and he died. He didn't want to die from a woman. The fear of shame. He should have listened to my women's in ministry sermon. <laughs> he'd have a, he'd have, he wouldn't be such a wussy as he was in this case. Listen, that's the fear of shame. We also have the fear of pain. Saul, who was the first one anointed as king by the Lord. He, he had the reign of the freedom, but he was quickly shown as a self, selfish king. Everything he did for self. Contrast to David, who was a man who was after the Lord's heart, even though he had some great sins himself and paid dearly for them, but also found redemption for them. Saul groaned to his armor bearer, take your sword and kill me before these pagan Philistines come to, and he wants to escape the pain, to run me through, and then they're going to taunt me, and then they're going to torture me, but the armor bearer was afraid and would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. He didn't want to face the pain. And I get it. You know, there's people even now in our culture today that will, they know they have a disease or a sickness and I'm all for pain medication when it's necessary. But they are thinking, I can't face it. So they go to a suicide. And now in Holland, where my parents are from, you can kill yourself if you're 12 years old and depressed. For if you, you have to wait a week, a week waiting period, and then you can do it. And they'll assist you. And I get it. I understand. Someone is sick and they're thinking, I don't, I don't, there's pain up ahead. And you, you kill yourself and you will have a little bit of pain as you kill yourself. And then you'll avoid some of that pain. Although I don't know what eternity will be with you depending on your relationship with, with Christ. But I, w- I will say this. Sometimes when you deprive yourself of pain, you say no to the pain and to suffering, you also deprive the people around you of the serving that they'll end up doing when you're going through pain. You also deprive yourself of the growth that you might need as you're going through pain and suffering. Do you know that Christ suffered? Some people are even have been called to suffer. And it's not like we want to see it and say, oh, Lord, just give them a bunch of suffer. But, but God does allow seasons and times of suffering. And, and you are made stronger for it. I, I have seen, I could name you tons of names. Most of you know Sherry Hester. I, 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 I often look at Sherry and her attitude and what she's done. She has grown into a mighty woman of God through suffering. She has, and it's tough. And, and I would love, and her husband, Mark, would love to just hit a button and just stop it, and so would the people that know her and love her. And God has chosen not to do it, and sometimes there's medication that just works. God t- takes in consideration the culture and the times and the modern science we live in. He's not unaware of these things. But I'll say this. You could just end it and just say, hey, I don't want to have any suffering, but what if God were trying to get a hold of you through it? How many have been through hard times and had the Lord get a hold of your heart during that time? Raise your hand very high to testify. Listen, keep your hand up, please. You're not that tired, please. You can't be that tired. You wimps, you go to the gym for crying out loud. Oh man, if I just look at these as reps, you know what I mean? Listen, can I, can I ask these questions? How many, wave your hand if you hated the trial. Come on. But how many are glad what God did through it? Come on, wave it again, harder. Wave it. God did it hard. I'll put the other hand and just say, I'm a total dork, just like that. Okay? <laughs> Listen, 
there are times when it's hard times and you, and you suffer through it. And I don't, I don't want to stand up here and say you wimp because I can't judge someone else's suffering. You know, it's going to be inevitable that it probably in every state, in the union, in every place in the country, you can kill yourself. To me, you can already kill yourself. Go to the highest cliff and jump off. You can kill yourself. No one can stop that. Right? People are looking for a comfortable way to end that. I'm not here to make a political statement. What I am here to do is to point you to Jesus Christ and he can give you life even in the midst of your suffering. And if you endure it, you'll endure it as discipleship. That's what the Bible says. It'll be discipleship towards you and he'll make you stronger. Uh, The fear of defeat, Zimri, after he had lost the battle, he saw the city come down. So he went to the citadel of the palace. He burned it over himself and died in the flames. This is another one. The fear of defeat. He didn't want to face the enemy. So he just said, hey, we lost and it's done. These are, a lot of these are in battle, these suicides. And then Samson, of course, the most of you know the story where he stands between, he, he got his eyes gouged out. And, he, you know, he had done a bunch of things. He'd slept with a bunch of prostitutes at the time. And if you, by the way, if you're in prostitution, God has hope for you. No one here hates you. I just want to say that clear. But he, he, he wanted to revenge in battle against the Philistines. And he pushed him with both hands. And the Bible says he prayed, let me die with the Philistines. So it's a battle suicidal um, cry. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. And he killed more people when he died than he had during his lifetime. And then the last example here of ending badly is the power of guilt with Judas. And Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. And the Bible said that he was destined for this, um, whether in his makeup or his nature or who he was. But he did not turn to Christ as the Lord, but Christ as just another political figure. And it says he realized his error but not to the fullness of repentance. You never saw fullness of repentance. You saw self-pity. Self-pity is not the same as repentance. Everybody feels sorry when they get caught. Oh man, I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry my life's so wrong. And people stay the victim. We are conquerors in Christ, not victims in Christ. If you are living in the victim mentality, please rise up in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up over it. Let the Lord show you that you are a victor, that you are here to win. But Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple and went out and hanged himself. Okay? Listen, I want to look at some things that can, may, might cause us to consider things that lead to suicide. They're not necessarily the road to suicide, but they're part of depression and all that. Uh, betrayal from spouses, families, and friends. People, you know, you lose a spouse, you lose a family, you lose friends. In relationship. And there's so much. How many admit there's so much brokenness in our culture? There's brokenness. There's TV shows where people gossip about other people's brokenness. It's like their brokenness isn't enough. We've got to make fun of everyone else's brokenness. You know? And, you know, people, there's a lack of love there. There's broken promises. And there's not only this betrayal, but there's a brokenness through leaders and authorities. Where we have leaders in our lives that sometimes steal our dreams or they crush the spirit. It could even be a parent who, who uh, just did wrong things or did not know how to parent. And there's that scripture that the tongue has the power of life and death. I, I've seen, I, I've counseled people and I've counseled young people who are crushed by someone else's tongue. Someone spoke death into them and they've just spiraled down. Listen, if you've done that, would you please undo it with your tongue? Bring life. Just say, I'm sorry about what I said. This is the life. May God catch you while you're doing it. Amen? Amen. So that you can stop it there and bring life. Your tongue has so much power. How many are getting life from the things I'm sharing? Come on. You could see it in action. And, And then there's there's and the other thing is brokenness through leaders and authorities is is parents. Sometimes we didn't equip our kids to succeed in their Christian walk. And because of that, and we all have done this, we fall short and kids don't know how to find success and they get despairingly. How how do I make it in this world? And how, how do I succeed? And how do I apply God's principles? And all these things are important things. 
And then pain by sickness and disease, I just mentioned that. And then hopelessness in your life where you can't see a future without pain. You can't see a future with any success. You can't see a future with people caring about you or knowing you because you've experienced intimate betrayal and now it's so hard to open up. And, and I get it. I get it. I've felt that before. And it leads to heartache. The statement is, I have no one who knows me and cares about me. I've lost all my confidence in humanity. I don't know if there's a God. Or if there is a God, I don't know what he's doing. And it leads to despair. Listen, heartache needs to be overcome. Do I hear amen? amen. Listen, I want you to find, see some mighty leaders who had to overcome adversity. We'll start with King Solomon, all those his was temporary Um, Because he did end up giving himself to the flesh. But he said, so I hated life. Because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. He saw the workload. He saw the endless repetitiveness of life. And, you know, the taskmaster and the worker. And he said, all of it was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. But he did not commit suicide. He tried to commit himself to learn the fear of God and his commands. The prophet Elijah running away from Jezebel. The, the rebellious spirit that is, is accusation and betrayal summarized in her ministry, her ungodly ministry. It says he walked out a half day's journey into the wilderness. He came to the broom bush because he was so discouraged. He sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. There's times where you feel so fearful and depressed and you're yearning for death. But he didn't commit suicide. He was comforted by the angel. He was allowed to rest. And God gave him a new commission. How many need a new commission by the Lord? Come on. And then we have Jonah. When the sun rose, most of know that he was in the belly of a whale. God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. This is a, there are times when we don't like what God's plan is. How many, how many of you know this is true? Come on. You just don't like it. You know, there, there's times when God's walked me through some humbling process and I, go, I say to God, you do not realize how humble I am already. I don't need that. But then when I go through it, I go, man, I was one prideful jerk. I couldn't even see it because I was so prideful. And then all of a sudden God takes you through it and then you're thinking, man, praise God that he did it and God makes you more reliant on him. And you can say it's better for me to die than to live and you can find all kinds of exit strategies. But instead of that, Jonah received admonition and rebuke from the Lord. Listen, like Job, you got to take the good with the bad. Sometimes you get disciplined. Sometimes the coach says you got to do 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups and you got to run a mile. And you better do it quick or you're going to run another mile. And you're going, oh, come on, stupid coach. Right? But 10 years later, you said, you know what? I needed discipline in my life. Thank God. How many say amen? amen? Listen, look at Job after he lost everything, his kids. He went through all kinds of despair. He said, cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me. I'm sorry, this is Jeremiah. I apologize. But it's very similar to Job's. He says, curse me the day I was born. He was overcome, Jeremiah, by Babylon. He was the prophet at that time. He was so loyal to the Lord. And he found no success. The the 10 tribes and the 2 tribes, the 12 tribes split up, were totally overwhelmed by the Babylonian kings. And they came in with conquering and replaced uh, Jerusalem with the Sumerians. And basically a whole people were turned upside down. And he goes, cursed be the day I was born. May the day my brother bore me not be blessed. How many think he's not having a great day? (laughs) And if you think this was just a couple times, understand that what followed there was hundreds of years in bondage. Hundreds of years. I'm ticked off if I have a bad week. The question is, why did this happen to me? Why me? Why not you? Why not you? 
Sometimes it's okay to go through a trial and find God's victory. Sometimes it's okay to find discouragement and depression and overcome it so you can help others. I can help people out of addiction because I've been there. I know what it's like. And I know what freedom looks like. Job, this is what I was talking about earlier, lost everything. After this, that's where I started it. How many have a this in your life? After this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and I can't believe this happened again. It says, Job opened his mouth and he cursed the day of his birth. You know what cursing is, right? No, well, Hebrew doesn't, but others do who are less holy. May the day of my birth perish. And the night that said a boy is conceived, that day, may it turn to darkness. May God not care about it. May no light shine on it. It's a reference to let there be light and there was light. He's saying, I don't want light on that day. I don't want it to shine. I wish it didn't exist. And the Apostle Paul, he, he, he said he had been under such oppression, he felt like he was under a death sentence. It says, we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure that we despaired of life itself we thought we were going to die we thought we were going to be killed indeed we felt we had received the sentence of death how many have felt like you've had the sentence of death you know maybe your health betrayed you and all of a sudden you're going man there goes the evolutionary story by the way you know your cells aren't getting more productive and more information have you noticed that oh my cells have replicated into something really special no that's not going to happen Because evolution doesn't work. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened, listen, but this happened, hear me out, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. If you understand that God can raise the dead, then he can raise my hope. He can raise my future. He can raise my confused child. He can raise hurt and pain. He can raise hopelessness because he can raise it. You might be feeling a sentence of death. Now, we need to confront the darkness. And this is where we're going to go. There's a demonic world. How many believe there's a demonic world out there? The Bible says we're not dealing just with flesh and blood. Yes, we have flesh and blood. You can't, and not everything is the devil did it. You know, where we run around and just cast out demons. Sometimes you're going to need to put your hand on yourself and cast out your own flesh, but you can't do it. It's your flesh days. Right? So we have to feed the spirit. The demonic world exploits your flesh. It tricks your heart into self-treachery, into self-focus. It desires to exhaust the pleasure of the flesh. Just do that. You'll get off doing this. And you'll, you'll love this. Do this. And, want, and if you know this, you know it doesn't matter what, if you give yourself a sexual desire or you start eating 22 Krispy Kreme donuts and give in to the flesh. How many know you're going to feel sick after those Krispy Kreme donuts, right? Because you start to indulge your flesh and you reach the end of your flesh. So if you're looking for satisfaction from the flesh, it won't come. The Lord is the answer. How many say amen? Amen. Now, greater is he who's in us than is in the world. And then we got drugs and addiction. Drugs and addiction mess with your chemistry, open you up to pharmacia, which is a sorcery. In other words, you start to conjure things up spiritually, uh, spirit's world, rather than to God for your answers. It doesn't mean that the moment you take drugs, you're open to this demon, but what it does is it's an avenue for it because you're seeking for a peace that doesn't come from God. And I'm not saying, if you read my, hear me from a couple weeks ago to get my full answer on that, but drugs and addiction can increase despair, self-focus, self-deception, and confusion. People don't get more whole when they start doing drugs. They usually, and I'm talking about recreation drugs, okay? And then it leads to what I call the self-consumed life. I want to talk to parents about this, okay? This is the thing that all of us as parents can fall into, Don't be a child-centered parent. What I mean by that is where your kid starts to become 
in your family more important than God is. You do everything for that family, everything for that kid, and the kid believes your theology. He starts to realize, I am the center of the universe. Mom's made that clear. Dad's made that clear. I am the center. That's until you have the second kid, and you can't have two centers, so they have to fight over it. You cannot be a God if you were in a child-centered parent thing, no matter how your parents treated you. Whoever finds their life and looks for it and seeks for their life is going to lose it. And Jesus says, whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. There's another scripture where he says, anyone who loves their father or mother or their son or their daughter more than me is not worthy of who I am. Do you understand we're talking about the living God? I love my kids. I love my kids. I care about my kids. But they will not come before the mighty God. I'm sorry. They won't. And if they do, it'll be to their detriment. It won't help them. But when God is first, I have power to love my kids. But when they're first, they can't be a God to me. Self-consummation, kids become so self-focused. You know, I, and I shared first service, you know, I was about to preach first service and I asked my daughter, I go, listen, I know you want to enjoy, listen to the service and learn something, but I need you because Jody's not here. I go, I need you to be a special prayer, prayer partner for me, my little daughter who's saying up here today. And I said, can you, can you pray for me? And she said, Yes. Because she needs to learn to die to herself for others. When you're self-consumed, serve somebody and you'll forget about yourself. Amen. You won't be depressed. Everything's going bad because you're not thinking about yourself. You'll lose your own life. Can you see that in Kevin and Shenna? You lose your life and the next thing you know in the prison and you're baptizing 130 people that life has given up on them and you're saying, no, God has hope for you and then you even realize it within yourself. We fix our eyes on Christ. He is love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. He's all these things. While the acts of the sinful nature are factions and separation, dissension, jealousy, envy, self, self. Where you get so consumed with self that you're depressed. You should be depressed. That's the natural fruit of self-consummation. And listen, Parents, listen, I'm a parent too. You think I was a perfect parent? No. Listen, how many parents need the mercy of God right now? Come on. Like me, just say, Lord, give us the grace even in our parenting. Come on, raise your hand up high and say, Lord, in the areas I blew it, pour your mercy into my life. Right? Amen? No one's the perfect parent, but make up for your mistakes. Make up for them. Just have a lunch with your kid and go, I love you. You're not the center of the universe. God is. I needed to tell you. Okay, I never told you that. It's true. And you're too self-absorbed. So, but I love you. And I am too. And I blew it in my self-absorption that made you God and you're not. God is God. And I'll start praying for your deliverance. But I love you. So much. Let's go bowling. Listen, and there's two more and then I'm going to sing this song. Religious climbing is death. Religion can be the most depressing thing ever because you are never quite there a little bit more and then you will find God. You're not quite saved, but if you just do one more thing, go to church a little bit more or start giving or start tithing or start serving, something you have to do to be saved. We are saved by grace through faith and this is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Lack of of eternal security People are going, I think I'm saved, but I'm not saved. And yes, I'm saved. and not, I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm unborn, reborn, unborn, reborn. And I know churches that every week you have to come up to the forward and get saved again. Come on. That's why, of course, you're going to be depressed. And then there's stubborn atheism. That means you're not open to the possibility of God. I, I was talking with my friend Gabe Kramer. Him and I engage atheists. We try to do it on a regular basis. And we're going on YouTube to address their videos directly. And this is so fun for me. 
I love this. Because this is my background. But some atheists, no matter what science and facts you get it, they don't believe because it's not the science, it's the atheism that they love so that there's no God. I call it stubborn atheism. They're not open to the possibility of God. They have a chemistry identity and a made-up purpose because there's no eternal purpose. You're just chemistry. It's going to fade and eventually go into the dust and that's it. And the Bible does talk about dust you come and dust you return, but he also talks about eternal life, that you have an eternal soul that will love God forever. But they, they have to make up their own purpose rather than God. That is a depressing thing. And love is never love. It's just love that's Darwinian. Darwinian. It's the survival love. I love you and you love me because we need to to survive. I'm glad that's not the love I have with Jody. I love Jody because she's filled with the Spirit of God and rocks my world. Seriously, when we got married, my first year, I didn't even know how to love her. I tried. My pathetic love was pathetic. I'm, t- I'm telling you, there were so many times where I said, Lord, I do not know how to love this woman. Can you change her whole personality for me? <laughs> and I realized that I was the problem. Figure that. It turns out I w- it wasn't self-consummation. I had to worry about others. And you know what? Each year, God gives me more insight into who he made in her. And I hope that God's doing that in your relationships. That you, I, I, you know, you go to Pentecostal churches and oh, we're prophecy and everything's prophecy and give another prophecy. Why don't you prophesy in your own little family and start to see prophetically who the people are becoming right around you. And let spiritual gifts work the way they're supposed to work. And then when you're faithful with that, you can be faithful a little bit more. By the way, there was a good word from that young, our young gal here. I don't want to point her out, but God can use even the young, young ones, can't they? You can hear the maturity in the voice. And, and here's the last one. Okay, and then I'm going to sing this song. Sorry, I'm a little bit over. The Negative Lifestyle. Okay. I had a guy I worked with who was so depressed years ago. And he told me he was suicidal and all that stuff. And I go, I said, I go, what are you listening to right now? What's your music? And he goes, well, what does that matter? And I go, I just want to know your song. So we pulled out the song. It was a Bon Jovi song about slitting your wrist because you lost this girl. And, and, you know, and, and, you know, John Bon Jovi, you know what I mean? He's got a great voice. I like this. I like the song. It's, you know, it's like, Sometimes you got to sing, love hurts, <laughs> you know, or whatever the song is that you have. But, but if it becomes your b- breath, this is what you breathe in. Then you'll, if you take negative influences and negative music and negative everything, guess what? It happens when, if, you know, I'm eating a lot more healthy now, but when I, if you eat burgers and fries and then more burgers and more fries... And then some fries and a burger. You're going to be full of lard. It's just, it's just the way that it works. If you have all negative influences. And, you know, and parents, be parents. And sometimes you just got to tell your kid, you got to get your butt to youth group. And be around the other youth. Because when you start, and not every kid in youth group is perfect. Because all our kids are there. Right? But you're going to be exposed to the Word of God, and your kids don't know what's best for them, you do. Right? That's why you're the parent. Amen? Listen, it's okay to lead. You don't have to be dominating, and just as bad as child you know, centered parenting is authoritarian, unapproachable parenting is just as bad. Or bribing parents who always get their kids to be, uh, behave well based on a bribe they get. You have to teach your kid that right is good because it's good. Amen? And lead your kid to Christ. Expose yourself to God's word. Expose yourself to God's, can everyone say, God's people. Right? Expose yourself to God's presence. This will lift your spirit. You know, the scripture, Psalm 118, I will not die, instead I will live and declare what the Lord has done. It's the center of the Bible. The very center of the Bible. It's the center chapter. It's the center verse of all the scripture. Right there. 
I love that fact. And, you know, last night as I was working on this message, I was kind of wrapping things up, and, and I felt like the Lord said, hey, I want you to sit at the piano. I, got, I think I have, not what I think, but I felt like, Lord, I think you have some music for me. So I sat down, and I wrote the song, like 15 minutes. And I, I want to sing it for you. I'm not the greatest singer in the world. Uh, I have been writing for a, a long time. But I felt like God wanted me to share this song with you, so I'm going to. If you've been discouraged, let me encourage you. sin you've committed. There is deep redemption in Christ. Every sin has been paid for. And you say, Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. 
find a way into the light. Cause when the darkness overcomes the night, so show me savior, overflow my heart, my broken pieces scattered in the dark, and give my soul the will to win this fight. Say it with me, say I believe you are the way. I believe you are the way. I believe you are the way. How many say amen?